students. Welcome to episode 36 of the Film Student Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Lazaroni. My guest this week is Meredith Weir from the Purple Cohort. We talk about her dislike of watching movies in class, her background as a scientist, and the impact it has on her writing. On with the show. So by nature, I don't know if you know this, I'm like a science person. Mm-hmm. So I did a lot of... Um, currently doing technical writing but before the school I was a formulation scientist and I was doing a lot of like improv and comedy just in Philadelphia yeah uh, and up in New York a little bit uh, and I did not have the confidence to like step away from my real like comfy job without like some concrete schooling like I wasn't just going to move to New York or just move to LA mm-hmm. to try and do something so this school to me felt like a very calculated like okay I'll the middle step that'll yeah, look at you. Of yeah. like, this is an established institution. Like, Second City is a pretty big name. Mm-hmm. This film school seems like pretty legit. So, uh, that's why I applied, and then I got in, so I came. <laughs> that um, next part's easy. <laughs> yeah, um, but my, uh, I had no technical experience before coming here. So, like, my video essay thing I had to do was just me talking to a webcam. Yeah, and th- like looking back now, I'm like, wow, I was really lucky to get in. Because a, a lot of people had some pretty intricate things. Yeah, but you're, you're also not alone with that. Because, I mean, the, the one thing I like is that they do curate the groups so that it's not it's not just, like, a bunch of people with, like, my technical background uh, and nobody that can write. Like, it's it's a it's a balance of people. Yeah. And sometimes you'll get somebody that's kind of, like, an ace in the hole and, and can do everything. But uh, Right. But yeah. I think I took a risk in that my, like, essay, I wrote my essay like a lab report. Like, you would like I would have to generate for work. Mm-hmm. So I had like a abstract in the front of like what I was going to talk about in the, and then I created like an entire false data set about why comedy is important. <laughs> uh, and I did all this like completely fake like decibel readings and what laughter says and like all this stuff um, to prove that stuff. science was important. <laughs> stuff that, that you could completely bullshit that everybody else would be like, oh, that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I did say that I was bullshitted in the abstract. Yeah. Um, in so many words, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you came in, so you were somewhat infamous in, in my class coming in because you were the person that came in and didn't like movies. You came to the film school and you're not a movie fan. Yeah. How, how did you resolve that in your, <laughs> in your mind? Well, I think, um, so I was lucky enough to be chosen to be the speaker for our graduating class. Oh, yeah. I, get, I spoke at our graduation. And it wasn't until I was writing my speech that in retrospect, I was like, okay, I guess it was kind of really cool to be sitting in class with these 16 people who I grew to love um, and just like watch movies and hang out with them. Like, yeah. I, but even then, it was still just the social aspect that I reflected on and liked. Um, I did not realize how much movie watching there would be not that there's like an insane amount um but like you have a three-hour class and you watch an hour and a half or two-hour movie Mm -hmm. it's like in my brain I was just like we have John Hancock this Oscar-winning director I don't want to watch a movie in his class I want him to talk to us about uh like his experiences and his whatever he's been through that might be more advantageous than like I can watch the movie for homework yeah but uh everybody was always like no you have to watch it in a room full of people and like it's better that way and i think i think they were right <laughs> it does make a difference it's like the people that see have you seen the room no okay 
if you go see the room, you need to go to like see it in like a midnight screening in a movie theater with a bunch of people mm-hmm. because it's it's uh, it's like um, Rocky Horror Picture Show that it's it's just it's a it's a collective experience. It's not something that you're going to watch at home and, and appreciate nearly on the same level as you do in a room full of people that are all making fun of it <laughs> while it's going on. Right. You know, um, I did. The only time I've been to like I go to see movies all the time. Like I have the movie pass. Yeah. But I, I think I like movies for, for now. like, <laughs> for now. <laughs> I like movies for reasons a lot different than anybody in film school, mm-hmm. is what I think I noticed about myself. Like, like how? I think I go and watch a movie because, in like a movie theater, because of the experience of like, uh, I'm just going to fall into this story and like, and just let it captivate me. And basically, mm-hmm. I think I just like will myself, I don't even have to will myself to do that, I just like let myself do that. And so... I don't ever enjoy, like think about movies critically. Mm. Um, like for me, it's just to get lost into the world. Yeah. And so like, pretty much every movie can make me cry. Like, because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you just yeah, you just because I'm just let like it like over. it can be a lifetime movie that I'm watching on my couch, but like I'm just invested in this person's life, and suddenly I believe that they're a real person, and they're going through this insane trauma, and like sure, there's a magic Santa Claus or whatever. Like I can just for whatever reason my brain can like buy into it. Yeah. And then I let it like emotionally affect me. And whether it's like a comedy or a drama or something like that, like I just, I don't know, I can do it. So then to be in film school and trying to do that and knowing the people around me are like analyzing this for like something other than just pure enjoyment was like a real, it was a hurdle for sure. Hmm. I, I, I guess I get the same perspective. I, I've never walked out of a movie. There have been movies that I've looked back at and been like, that was such a waste of time. I've had movies that I've been watching at home or something like that, and something pulls me away, and I just never go back to it. Like I started watching uh, Molly's Game um, the on on a plane, and then the flight landed before the movie was over, and I just never have bothered to go follow up because I was like I wasn't super enjoying. Yeah, <laughs> what I, it was got what I've got. Gotten I could that never point. do that. I uh, I feel like I was watching on a plane some like uh, it was the the Maze Runner. Mm-hmm trilogy I guess I don't even know which one it was but I got off the plane and then bought it for like $15 on Amazon <laughs> so that I because for the just like, to finish it just to finish it because it was like two hours of agony that I was just like thinking about it and still like trapped in this world that I didn't know the ending of <laughs> so I that's dedication there mm-hmm, yeah and it kills me if I find a movie on TV that I'm into because I will watch through the commercials because I'm like afraid to yeah. skip and miss something. Do you have some? Do you do you ever return to view something again, or once it's once it's done, it's done for you? Um, so I saw Miracle, the hockey movie, mm-hmm. like four times in the movie theater. Okay, it was like I guess it was 2004 that came out, maybe 2003 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like in high school, and it was like the first time I was ever like running sprints and doing all this like and I was just like very inspired by that movie so I yeah. kept going back to see it and then I saw The Heat multiple times okay the um, the uh, um, the Melissa McCarthy yeah that one uh, Sandra, Sandra Bullock, Bullock yeah because I just thought it was very funny okay um, but other than that I don't really they're like they're the only instances I can think of and like that was really good I'm going to go see it again yeah and those aren't movies that are like <laughs> critically acclaimed are there are there ever things that you get like hung up on when you're flipping through the tv channels that you'll just watch the rest of the way through because like for me I, I can watch um that thing you do or uh like high fidelity or something like that if I find it on a tv sure. station I'm going to end up watching to the end I just know yeah. it. yeah um it just happened Sunday night with Frozen 
Okay. Was on. <laughs> and I was watching Monday Night Football as well, but I never went back to Monday Night Football. Um, so Frozen one out. Uh, but I think Catch Me If You Can is a big one that I'll watch through, which is I a can long see that. one. It is, but it's... But I just always want to see if he gets them. It's such a twist and turn yeah. story that you can come in at any point in time and be like, wait, so what was the dynamic at this point? And like yeah, and yourself. like I don't always remember which, like, because it's very like a chunky movie, I guess. So mm-hmm. I never remember oh, yeah. which chunk it is. It's like, oh, is this before or after the Pan Air thing? It's like yeah. snapshots of his life yeah. and, and just living through it. So the hospital, then mm-hmm. Pan Air, then, uh, then printing stuff. And yeah. yeah. So, so I never remember like the chronological order. So I can, I think I enjoy like, oh yeah, now it's this part. Yeah. And I get excited. But so what, yeah. what are you, uh, what are you working on now? What are you, what are you trying to do in the long run? Um, I think I would like to be like writer, director. Mm-hmm. Um, like long-term, but definitely like writer first. Um, I'm currently, I got one of the Columbia MFA students is interested in one of the features that I wrote. So we're trying to package that right now. Nice. Uh, as part of, I guess it's like their project to go to LA in the spring. Um, so I kind of like, I'm not married to any of my ideas because I always think I can just write more, which isn't always the case, but mm-hmm. I try to always write more. Um, so I did it last year as well, and like it didn't turn into anything with like a pilot that I've written. So this is a feature I've written that they want to try and package. So we're in the process of what's trying the, to do that. What's the pitch for it? Um, you're going to laugh. It's called The Movie Tavern. Okay. Uh, which is about, uh, have you ever been to a movie tavern? I think it's like a franchise in Texas and like on the East Coast, and that's it. Is it like uh, Alamo Drafthouse, that sort of thing? or I'm not sure what that is. Okay. What, what, uh, uh, yeah, describe it's, it. it yeah, might be. It's, like, um, it's like a dine-in experience. The way I describe it is like um, a dine-in movie experience, but it's literally like an Applebee's in front okay. of a movie theater screen. Um, so it's like full weight service, full like you, a waitress comes to your seat. Right. Uh, it's not like food is later delivered to you, but like, so it's like a, f- and the menu is very Applebee's. Yeah, system. that sounds like the Draft House. Yeah. Uh, so there's uh, Arlington Draft House is, is just outside DC. Uh, I've been to that one a few times. Uh, and they do a combination of like, they'll have stand up comics and speakers, but they'll also do films the rest okay. of the time. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I've seen like documentaries and stuff there, like, uh, uh, the uh, Blood into Wine, the documentary about the lead singer of Tool's uh, vineyard that he started, oh, and then they did a wine tasting there afterwards oh, <laughs> to go okay. along with it. But yeah, they have they have food service. It's still set up. It's like a theater, but instead of just having row, 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 it's row with tables, row with tables, row with tables, yeah. all the way down, still terraced on a on a like a theater type space. Is that yeah, that's kind of how this is. You're just yeah. in a chair though, with like a very um, elaborate like. TV dinner tray style oh, like okay. table that folds in front of you. Okay. Um, that would be nicer than what Draft House had. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it is like, because I know like the AMC dine-ins, it's like more full service food, but it's mm-hmm. like you order at the front and you go sit down and they just right, like bring it right. to you. Right, right. Yeah, no, the, this one had the table service. They, yeah. would, they would actually come through and they'd check in partway through the movie. And yeah. you could always tell when the movie was about to end because they would come by and see if, if you wanted the check with like, you know, 20 minutes left. Yeah. Or <laughs> they <laughs> yeah, had that same. like clockwork. <laughs> um. Yeah, so this movie is about, I guess, it's like set in 1998, and it's the start of the Movie Tavern franchise, how this, like... Oh, okay. But it's not at all based on a true story. In my <laughs> brain, it's, like, the Fargo based on a true story style thing. Okay. Um, you would say this based is on how a true I think story and completely lie to the audience right at the <laughs> yeah. top. Um, this is how I think it happened. Um, so, yeah, it's just about a young kid who all of his friends are going to work in, like, the tech boom, and he doesn't... He didn't get a job at, like, Google or Yahoo. Yeah. Um, out on the West Coast, so he's like, what am I going to do? And he loves movies and he loves food. So 
he decides to marry the two. Tries to marry the two, yeah, um, and it doesn't go so well. He struggles. Yeah, it's not like a booming uh, business. It's doing okay. Yeah, but um, but yeah, the first one does it save the movie theater? Does it not? Who knows? <laughs> Coming the summer of twenty thirty. <laughs> I feel like that's one that you almost have to to see if they'll open it in those businesses first. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> when you do a release. like Yeah. <laughs> do you want to be the producer? Because I feel like you know how to market it already. <laughs> I'm still working on that stuff. I've, I'm trying to figure out uh, fundraising for my for my term three. Oh, yeah. Because uh, every, every time I go back to it and, like, reread it and look through I'm like, oh, I need this piece of equipment. Or, oh, I need this, you know, yeah. location. Or, oh, that's just... Never ending. I, um, when I did my final film, I, my apartment building had like a little convenience store in the, mm-hmm. so I used that, which was really nice. But I spent like all my money was out of pocket, and I was like, that was stupid. Yeah. It's, I was like, not only was I paying for school and like living expenses, but I was like, oh, this was a lot, a bigger undertaking than I expected yeah. it to be. Um, and that was with like borrowing the schools, like I didn't even pay for equipment. So I can't imagine people going like Elvira for Dingus Wishes like had an insane do you know what her budget was on that one I don't I have no idea okay um I know that she ended up having some leftover which is why she was able to apply to a lot of film to festivals festivals with it. yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what I'm trying to do with mine like I built it so that 20 percent of, of what I'm raising is specifically just for festival yeah. submissions and not even that I'm planning on spending all that on the submissions but I want to spend about half of that, and then the rest is for like an airline ticket. Like if I did get into yeah a big one to be able to fly out and be be there for it. Yeah, that's such a big thing that like you forget about. Yeah, <laughs> it's like going to the place. <laughs> it's like oh, once you get um, into a festival, they expect you to be there. Oh yeah. crap. <laughs> um, yeah, mine got into a couple little festivals like here and there mm-hmm. that I was just like, ooh, I shouldn't. And I think I applied to them because they were free. Yeah. But like, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be able to make it there. Yeah. Or and not only that, but it's just like, do I? want to go to like Plainfield, Iowa, <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. That was a made up location because I didn't want to out the real location. There, there might be a Plainfield, Iowa. Yeah. And that so was you might have outed. There's somebody in Plainfield, Iowa that's going to listen to this and, oh, and be like, it's putting together a film festival. Now nobody's going to come because they think that the artists don't show up. Yeah. So you just ruined Plainfield, Iowa for people. Shoot. Sorry. Womp womp. Well, <laughs> <laughs> what's the uh, so what's the long term goal with this? Like, what do you want to do uh, now? Now that you've seen the program, you've seen everything that's out there and possible. Where are you trying to go with it? Um, yeah. So this is actually a really hard question for me because I still work in pharma mm-hmm. and I love what I do in pharma. Um, like, I really love my company that I work for. I love my job, like my day to day job. Um, right now, I'm like technical writer a technical writer, which is really nice. So I can do that remotely and mm. like have time to work on other stuff. Like I'm also right now working on Jack's film, Jack Newell's film monuments. Okay. Um, which is pretty cool to get like that experience. But, um, so I think I would just like, like my dream job is to like just write screenplays and then have someone buy them from me Yeah. for like, I don't know, 80,000 per yeah. screenplay. <laughs> yeah. That'd be nice. Um, so, Actually, I'm watching, I watch Survivor. It's like my favorite, probably my favorite TV show. Oh, really? Um, yeah, and right now I'm drawing a blank on the guy's name. But the writer for School of Rock is like one of the contestants. Mike White. Yeah. Yep. And he, I guess he was also on The Amazing Race. 
Uh, at one point in time, uh, I a friend of mine from college was living in Mike White's like um, uh, gar- above garage apartment <laughs> because uh, through because through a friend of his when he moved out to L.A. like his friend was living there and was like, yeah, I need a roommate, and just turned out to be Mike White's place. So oh, weird. That's why I'm like oddly aware of him. Okay. Because <laughs> um, he he just messaged me. He's like, do you know who this guy is? I'm like, I have no clue. This isn't did all the research to find out. But yeah. yeah. Um. So it seems like he's just writing movies and playing Survivor. Yeah, um, and he was Ned Schneebling like in in, uh, in School of Rock too. So he does he does a little acting here and there, yeah. but not that much. Um, and as soon as he got to the island, everyone was like, "You look so familiar. Like, what do you? Why do I know?" And he's like, "Yeah, I've been on all these TV shows." And uh, <laughs> so he's not going to win because everybody thinks he already has a ton of money, which he probably does. He probably is doing okay. If he wrote School of Rock, right? Oh, and he's he's got a, a garage with a base or with an apartment above it that he can rent. Oh yeah, out he's people. renting. So <laughs> if you're, if you're, if you're a landlord, property. you're doing all right. Um, but so yeah, I think I just would like like that would be so cool to me. It's just like having an agent that's like, hey, we need a story that's about this, mm-hmm. and then I would have the capability to just like write what they need. Yeah. Um, but I also don't feel incredibly motivated to like completely jump ship mm-hmm. and do. Um, like just go full in on the arts and stuff like that because I just yeah. I'm also like still really interested in the work I do in science and whatnot. So it's a it's a push and a pull. Have you ever looked in anything that like marries the two? Um, well, like I'm doing accounting for Jack's film. <laughs> okay, <so laughs> that uses my math <laughs> the degree. Um, yeah, I mean I've thought about like I know the Big Bang Theory has a like science expert on yeah. their writing staff that like works to make sure all the physics and anything they do in the show is actually correct. Yeah. Um, which is, I guess, just for, like, the nerds to be like, hey, what they had on the whiteboard wasn't right. Like, it's actually always right. They do that with cool. uh, Star Trek does that, too. They always have yeah. technical people to, to validate the the science that they're referring to. Um, yeah. I loved the show called Lie to Me that was on Fox for a minute, um, like, a decade ago. Uh, and it was all based on real science of microexpressions. Uh, oh, okay. It was basically like a you know, uh, a, a consultant that the police would bring in to help them understand what happened in these cases, whether somebody was lying or telling the truth. And it was all based on micro expressions and, oh, uh, wow. you know, super heightened, over heightened yeah. drama. But it was, it was the, the science part was interesting. They always had like a science lesson, at yeah. least in the first season, the second season, they kind of went away from it and it tanked after that. But yeah. I think that kind of job would be really cool. I yeah. know like on a lot of medical shows, they have medical professionals who like teach you how to say, the names of like the scientific words, yeah. how they say it in like real life and stuff like that. Have you done, uh, um, you, you said you were doing improv and stuff like that before, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. I do a lot of, I still do it here in Chicago. Like I'm on a Herald team at IO mm-hmm. and actually I'm starting teaching in the A through E program here oh, pretty sweet. soon. Yeah. Have you seen, uh, what Alan Alda is doing nowadays? No. He's got a program where he's actually working. He set up an organization that, um, teaches scientists how to talk to people through improv. Oh Yeah. That and is so needed. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's just about taking ridiculous concepts like string theory and th- things like that and breaking them down into, into layman's terms and being able to talk to a lay person and let them understand. Yeah. Explain. I, I went uh, when I was in Philadelphia, I worked for the Philly Improv Theater. Yeah. And I did a lot of corporate workshops. And one that I did was at the University of Pennsylvania. And it was for like a big kind of like medical retreat type thing where they mm-hmm. were working with PhD candidates who are like presenting their work. And one mm-hmm. of the things I got to do was like an improv two hours during like as a break. That's so cool. And so I'm teaching like yes and, and like this guy raises his hand and says, I understand why yes and is important in improv, but for science, it's more of a yes, but what if? 
and it was like, as a person who does science also, I'm like, in my brain, I'm like, he's actually not that wrong. Like, you should kind of always present, you should always ask questions. Like, what if this right. happens and what would that lead to? Um, That's like we have this rash now of, of, you know, news reporting first pass on, on research without ever having peer review yeah. on it. So, so much of it is complete BS when you put an, even the, you know, coarsest view lens on yeah. it to, to see it. It's why, like, evolution is still a theory, even though we know it's a kind of a fact we can't really say it's a fact because yeah. we haven't isn't, asked every question isn't gravity still technically a, th- a theory as well yeah because we don't exist in like a vacuum yeah like we can't really we can only fake do it mm-hmm. um which is weird yeah so <laughs> i don't know so trying to find the the way of of merging the two if if you can but otherwise <laughs> you'd just like to to write so you're you're drawn more towards what like short form or feature um, you mean writing wise? Yeah. Um, I kind of do a pretty good balance of both. I've written like two complete features and then I have like a bunch of like, I don't know, first drafts of stuff or like, oh, okay. uh, first drafts of features, but then, and I also have like two or three pilots mm-hmm. uh, and I've done a couple specs for like spec scripts off of existing TV shows. And is this what you're doing while you were here or is this stuff that you'd done prior to, to coming into, um, no, everything is something I've done uh, either during school or after school. Okay, so some um, of the stuff you've, you've been working on since. Yeah, um, which is kind of cool. Which, uh, like, one of the specs I wrote is from Big Mouth. Mm-hmm. Do you know the oh, yeah, yeah. show? Which I the, just... Uh, when's it back? Is it back now? Friday. Friday, okay. Yeah. Uh, um, I will download some episodes for my flight back. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's cool because it's a, a lot about, um, like, the body... And mm-hmm. so one of the things I do with work is like almost like a toxicology type thing was like how drugs affect the body and what's going on with drugs and body, which, so I have a kind of a decent understanding of like developmental biology, which is what that show focuses in. Yeah. So like the spec that I wrote kind of deals with like puberty in a like scientific way okay. uh, as to what they're going through and like understanding it in like a health lesson versus um, just having... Like, I kind of put a more of, like, an id ego to the hormone monster in yeah. Monstrous, um, which was fun. So that's, I always try and, like, work it in to my scripts in some capacity. Yeah. Just because. Is that a theme that you've got through the stuff that you've written? Is that there's there's a scientist or a scientific angle on it? Yeah. Like, a feature that I wrote is about a teacher who used to work for NASA, <laughs> um, <laughs> who decides to become a teacher. Um yeah, I, and it kind of was unintentional until somebody pointed it out to me. Of like, yeah. was like, you know, you don't always have to write about science things. And I was like, I don't. And then I was like, oh, I do. I, do. <laughs> I think um, I think everybody has that has that moment of of realization. Uh, one of my classmates today was uh, reading through a sketch that she wrote for Dick Blasucci's workshop, uh, and uh, and the very first thing, like, she opens it and it's a phone call between an actress and, and her agent uh, walking along the streets. I'm like, I've seen you use that opening like eight times <laughs> in other things over the course of the, of the program. It's yeah. just, it's incredible how much you'll kind of go to your home base. It is a thing of like, write what you know. Yeah. I, I think that's actually really true. Maybe I luck out in that. What I know is not also film yeah. and like entertainment it's dependent. Yeah. Um, and I think I try to use it to my advantage. Like, one thing I've always said is that I have, like, confidence in my ability in, like, the film world just mm-hmm. because the stakes and, like, pressure feel so high in, like, science. Yeah. Like, when you talk about paying attention to detail on a set, it's, like, 
uh, if I don't, you know, get this phone number right and order this pizza, it's like a bunch of adults are not going to eat for an extra hour or two. Yeah. It's like if I mess up in the lab, somebody's medicine is going to be a week delayed, which is significantly more yeah. <laughs> impactful to their life than like life threatening getting dinner. So I think like the pressure of I've never felt panicked in like the film world yeah. since being in it. Like on my final, I was like, everything feels, I guess, cause I just keep comparing it to like science yeah. and pharma development and drug development, like the timelines and pressures of all that, that this kind of feels like, okay, well, I can get through this. And it's something where it's like sports, the game slows down. Like once you start to figure out the thing, I, cause I've watched a lot of my classmates that hadn't produced anything coming in that were putting together like their term twos and, or term threes from classes before us that are freaking out and have like, do I need this? What, what happens if I don't have this? Like where, 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 where are we going to be? Is, is this going to work? Uh, you know, and, and just kind of having those freakouts and I'm like, it's fine. You'll be okay. Like yeah. <laughs> here's, here's the eight other things you could do if we're pushed to do that and you're not even there yet. Yeah. Another thing that I absolutely love about like the creative process is that there isn't ever really an answer. Mm -hmm. Like I told this to a lot of my classmates when they were like, cause I did a fair amount of writing and people would say like, how do you write? Like, how are you writing so much? And I don't think I was, I think I was, it was certainly quantity over quality for me yeah. when I was in school. But when I had a moment pretty early on when I was like, I guess in like a little writer's block moment. Mm -hmm. um, but then I was like, I thought back to when I was in college and I was like up all night crying because I couldn't get the answer to a physics problem that like I knew my answer was wrong because I could do the math backwards and it right. wasn't working out. And like I'm sitting here at my computer desk agonizing over whether my character is going to go to the mall or the movies. Like it was like it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like <laughs> there's no answer. One. I'm just going to write whatever I think in this moment and change it later if I. Yeah. Because right now the only thing that matters is the pages like mm -hmm. getting out your first pages because you can fix everything later. And that's that's I think the thing that I'm that I'm gained the most from for, for me in the program is just this idea of fix it later, like get through it. And yeah. and that and that's. I've had that approach for filmmaking for, for, for the actual production process for a long time. It's like, just make a decision. You'll deal with the consequences later. But if you don't make a decision, you're dealing with them now and you never get anything done. Yeah. But when I went, when I went to go write, it was so often that I would write something and then go back and tweak and then go forward and then go back and tweak and then go forward. And I never got to the end of it. And so I'm writing this feature now and I already know there's 30 things that I need to go back and change in it. There's stuff that's missing. There's there's things that I, I added a storyline late that didn't actually start up where it was supposed to. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm just, I want to fucking finish. Like, I got to get to the to the end of the, to the last page of it. Then I've then I've got a first draft. And yeah. then, then I can say, I finished a feature and now I can go tweak it and just reiterate bit by bit. Completely. Like, I think uh, the first draft of... The movie tavern feature I was talking about was like at first I was thinking of it as like a comedic sci-fi, and then yeah. halfway through I was like, "Nah, this is just straight like rom-com." So like <laughs> the first half is very sci-fi and weird, and then it's like more traditional rom-com. So I had to go back in like my second and third drafts and make it totally it's like the, the same. opposite of what what's been happening in Hollywood because they had like Neighborhood Watch and oh, World's yeah. End and stuff like that that went that were somewhat you know normal mm -hmm. interpersonal, and then all of a sudden there's aliens. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen the movie Numbers with Nicolas Cage? No. That is among, it's like a really interesting, uh, like a, his, Nicolas Cage's daughter gets like a time capsule from like, I guess a class 50 years prior. Mm -hmm. And somebody had written down like this crazy number sequence and he was like a mathematician. And so Nicolas Cage like decoded it and he realized like, oh, these are dates and the number of people that died in on that date. 
so the one that I remember specifically was like it was like nine eleven and then like you know thirty seven hundred yeah. or whatever the number was um, for nine eleven and then he realizes like oh this is somebody knows like what's coming and so it's like an actual pretty interesting like premise that he's trying to like beat the date and right. stop the attack before figure out the numbers beforehand and yeah yeah and it never happen like i don't i think it just doesn't end the movie doesn't end which is why i still think about it to this day oh <laughs> because there's like this giant like rock almost like arrival style alien rock ship yeah that comes down and takes nicholas cage away and, and that's, that's the end of the movie which i've now just ruined i realize but it it's like absolutely insane where i was like is he gonna get to this date or not and it's like the date and then he just disappears and you don't know if like the people die or not <laughs> I struggle with it. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, you. You just need to write the ending to it. Maybe like, go ahead and produce that, and yeah. and because that, I feel like that's the kind of thing that you could market fairly easily. Because yeah. there are other people out there that have the same want that you do. Yeah, and it's not technically like, especially if you made it comedic, like you can get away with parody for it. True. <laughs> Yeah. And then you can use the actual names and characters and all that stuff. Yeah. As soon as we're done here, I'm going to put it in my idea book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Do it. <laughs> actually, it's... Um, Although, can you call it numbers too? <laughs> for sure. Or is it just more numbers? <laughs> no, I think and the number in the title of the Nicolas Cage numbers, all the... Well, the one E is a three. So, I'll yeah. just make it a two. <laughs> <laughs> so number tours. But have you ever seen or not seen... Do you, do you have Norm Holly? Yeah. Class class. Um, he does this exercise, or at least he did it with us, called After the Action or something like that. Um, I, and th- I it, think so. It's it like you just familiar. start, you start a movie, you start writing your movie or sketch or like pilot the moment after that like, thing ended. That thing, that big event happens to like, a, so like if it's a robbery or a heist movie, right? Mm-hmm. It's like they have all their money, they're walking off into the sunset. It's like, but do they, re- so then you would start we a did new do that one. one yeah. like, do they yeah. sketch? Do they? Are they nervous? <laughs> are they are they going to tell their wives? Are they like what's next for them? Yeah. Um, so that's how I get a lot of my ideas. <laughs> is just take whatever it is and go yeah, with whatever what's next. My, yeah, for like the moment after that. I try and do the thought experiment thing. I try and have like something that's a, a unique experience or thought or something like that, and just toss the very scientific what if mm-hmm. into that scenario, and then just try and extrapolate out from there. So like my yeah. my feature is based on something that happened to me when I was in in uh, high school. Uh, and, and just saying like, oh, well, what if this would have been slightly different? Like what would have transpired from there? Oh, that one single event. Yeah. Oh, so like, it's not even like your whole life story. No, it's just no. That one. And it's, and it's not even necessarily me as the character. I, I've mapped some of my own traits onto mm-hmm. him. Uh, but, uh, but I've tried to like spark, you know, parse it out a little bit into, into, uh, different parts of the story. I like uh, that. But yeah, it's, it's, I guess there's a little bit of a scientific approach to it. Of just yeah, the what it's if. very um, imp- improvian too. Yeah, um, which is true. Like That's this is true, what else is true? <laughs> uh, so um, as far as the program goes, did you actually find it helpful for that stuff? Or is this thing, things that you would have ended up doing, do you, do you think, if you hadn't gone through this? Uh, no way. I think this program was like completely life-changing for me. Uh, I, yeah, I didn't have any technical experience at all. I didn't have any, like, will to write, yeah. I guess. Like, um, I wanted to, and I always said, like, oh, Saturday morning I'm going to write. But I never, like, did because mm. I uh, would always find myself, like, Googling screenwriting format and, like, how to – but to just raise my hand and be able to be like, Kat, do you capitalize the name? 
do you put the age in prison? Like, just answer those questions. Uh, <laughs> it finally got me past that like moment of the mechanics, the were mechanics out of, the way, of how so. to do it. So then I could just like go for it. And I yeah. think that was really helpful for me. And then when it came to like technical stuff, I honestly feel like now I'm a director for one of the IO Comedy Network teams. Oh, okay. Um, Which one? Uh, it's called Secret Lawyer. Okay. Um, we've only produced like two. That was the one I, so I helped. I helped yeah. on. It. Okay, yeah. that was Secret Lawyer. The with masks. Zach and, and Cassidy mm-hmm. and yeah. Yep. Um, and so that's been really helpful for, because in class I found myself dependent on like a lot of my fellow purples because like Preston and Logan and Bailey and Liz, they all know how to shoot. Yeah. And I never had to shoot on my own. Um, and so this was like, you know, I told them like, oh, I have experience in blah, 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 blah. And it's like, oh, now I have to do the ISO myself and now I have to. Yeah. Um, but I was at least familiar enough with the camera now that I could like not fake it and I was actually like thinking about things and deciding yeah. what I wanted it to be and why um, and I don't think I ever would have like delved that deep into film yeah. on my own just like googling and some of the feedback I got at the end of last term was like stop helping people as much because yeah. like they have to learn for themselves uh, and they're like if they haven't picked it up by now you know there's there's no teaching <laughs> so <laughs> it's very much when people come and ask you for help like you can help with like the mechanics but not like yeah. not planning or anything like that. They need to figure that out for themselves. Or even if it's just like, I think, um, I don't think not enough times we, like we just rely too much on people's help as opposed to just like relying on them to be our teacher there. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's because as people were like embarrassed to fail in front of something or somebody who knows what they're doing, but like I would much rather you like laugh at me because I did the white balance to a black floor. Yeah. <laughs> um, and be like, that was wrong. Because I like remember your insult, you know, and I'll be like, oh, I'll not do that again because I felt stupid as fuck. <laughs> um, but like those types of negative uh, reinforcement. Yeah, for, that's for how I learn for, sh- <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, I think like learning by failing yeah. was what the school was like totally helpful for too. It's like fail big, fail often, mm-hmm. fail now while you're in, in school so that you can go out and do things right the first time when you get outside. Yeah. And they criticize you a little bit for failing, but they, like, I think appreciate the attempt more than the... Yeah. Like, it's always better to turn in something bad than Nothing not turning... Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, if uh, people want to try and track you down and follow you on social media, see the, the stuff that you're working on now, maybe find out about monuments, mm-hmm. uh, where can they find you? Um, I don't have a great social media presence, but I do have a website. So okay. And I have it. It's my domain, meredithweird.com. Nice. Stole it. Um... But Wait, I pref- had you, you stole it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't always free, and then I just kept checking. Oh, until somebody until somebody didn't pay for it. I'm I guess. doing that with my production company because somebody has uh, crowdedelevator.com, and I have crowdedelevatorpictures.com, which mm-hmm. is what the full name is. But I'm like, I just want the shorthand one. But somebody's been squatting on it for literally like eight years, yeah. and I'm so pissed off because I just want it. <laughs> I think it took me about a year. That's lucky. Yeah. So, I think it's a pretty unique name anyway. Yeah. But. Yeah, so I swiped in and got it. Um, but I perform at IO with mm-hmm. a Herald team called Two Bed, Three Bath. Nice. Um, we perform like four or five times a month, which is cool. Sweet. Um, and yeah, I'll be teaching at Second City soon, which is cool. So like I married, is it the, like the starting level classes? or Yeah, level A through E improv. Nice. Yeah. So look for a Meredith if you would like to learn more from the scientific minded. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
That was Meredith Weir. Also, just so you know, I looked up Plainfield, Iowa, and it actually does exist, but the population is less than 500 people, so I doubt a film festival will sprout up there anytime soon. Thank you to Meredith and to the Harold Ramis Film School and the Second City staff for their help. The song on this week's episode was Tell Everyone by Derek Every. Find more of Derek's killer music on DerekEvery.com. That's D-E-R-E-K-E-V-R-Y. This show is recorded and edited by me, Tony Lazzaroni. If you want to hear more from me and my classmates, teachers, and a few special guests, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. If you have questions or comments, send us an email at filmstudentpod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram at filmstudentpod. And be sure to check out some of my and my classmates' work at filmstudentpod.com where you can also find links to all of our past episodes. See you all next week. Class dismissed. I'm running.